0: This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcast.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Okay, I want to thank Rabbi Shabtai once again, as usual, for affording me the opportunity to uh, learn with all of you together. This week's is Parshas Bahar and Kosai. And I wanted to focus on something from Parshas Bahar, um, something that I think is powerful, something that uh, we've discussed in the past, but uh, bears repeating, particularly during a time in which we find ourselves grappling with the unfortunate events of uh, this past weekend, trying to understand for ourselves, for our families, trying to be able to internalize and process things that otherwise are hard to digest and t- hard to make sense of, um, and wanting to be able to tap into our imuna and be able to, 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 to dig, dig, dig deep in Torah, the reservoir that we hopefully prepare for ourselves um, in order to be able to confront uh, these challenging situations. So if you'll take a look in the short story sheet I gave in front of you. So we know that the Torah at the beginning of this week's parasha introduces us to the mitzvah of Shemitah. Hashem says, Ve'idav HaShem And HaArSinai, more HaShem tells Moshe on Har-Sinei saying, there's a lot to talk about as to why exactly the Torah specifies this mitzvah was re- recited. On Har Sinai, what about all the other mitzvos? Rashi famously tells us that it's to teach us that not just this mitzvah, but all mitzvos. How that answers the question is not so simple, uh, but not for now. And then the Torah goes on to say, "When we will arrive in Eretz Yisrael that I will give to you, and you'll observe a a resting period for the land for a year." you'll have six years that you're going to plant the land, you're going to grow the land, you're going to prune the vineyards for six years, and you're going to go and you're going to collect the grain, and on the seventh year, in the seventh year is going to be a year of rest, So we know that there's the this uh, famous mitzvah that we have until this day of Shemitah, that you are not allowed to work the land every seven years, you give the year, uh, the land a rest, and you work the land for six years, and you give the seventh year rest. The Slonema Rebbe on page Kufu in Parsha's Bahar asked a fantastic question that's not only relevant um, to Pshmita, but it happens to be that it's also relevant to the Aserah Hadibros. If you'll take a look at those Gimel on page Kufu so the Slonema Reb points out something fascinating. He says, If you'll take a look at the sequence of the Psukim, you will notice, So the Torah initially tells us about Shemitah, tells us that it's a day, a week, a year of rest that we're going to give uh, the land. And then subsequently proceeds to go ahead and tell us about the six years that we're going to work the land. You're going to plant, you're going to prune. And then once again it says, so, the Torah goes and first tells us about the seventh year of Shemitah. It then goes on to tell us about the six, year, six years we're going to work the land. And then it goes on to tell us again, it's the seventh year is going to be Shemitah. Seems to be that the Torah seems to be going not sequentially, out of order. Right? First, it tells us about Shemitah. Then it tells us about the six years that you're going to work the land. And then it goes back and tells us about Shemitah. We really should have said, first you work the land for six years. And you prune the vineyards. And then you go and you observe the seventh year in which we allow the land to lay fallow, to replenish, to demonstrate our emunah and Hashem. Why is it that first the Torah talks about Shemitah, And then the Torah talks about the six years of the works of the land. Similarly, you'll take notice. I don't know if you've ever picked up on this before. But the Slanim Rebbe points out, the same thing is true when it comes to Shabbos. First it tells us that we are to observe the Shabbos. And then it tells us, Same exact sequence. First it tells us that you're supposed to observe Shabbos. Then it tells us that you're supposed to work the six days of the week. And then again, it returns back to tell us that we are supposed to observe the Shabbos. Shalafiyah Seder, once again, according to Seder Haid Shavua, according to the order, uh, the organization of the week. First, we should talk about the six days of work. And then the only achar and only afterwards should we talk about Shabbos, is the day of rest. And once again, the Slonim Rebbe asks, why does the torah proceed go out of order to describe the day of shabbos prior to the six days of work why not go in the normal way why not go in the normal way Fine. so the question if you distill it essentially is why is the torah here going out of order why is the torah going out of order when it comes to shemitah when the torah says that first got to keep the mitzvah of Shemitah, and then goes on to describe the six years they're going to work the land, and then again comes back to observing Shemitah. And why, when it comes to Shabbos, do we first discuss the observance of Shabbos? And then it goes ahead and it says, You're supposed to work the land, work, do the work during the week. It should really be the opposite. First you work during the week, and your prize that you await is Shabbos. So why does the Torah go out of order? And the Slonim Rebbe, um provides an amazing insight, which I think is so appropriate and provides what otherwise is a difficult perspective, particularly during this week, when all of us are grappling with something that just is hard to understand how it could be that so many people going to celebrate Achtos, to celebrate and be elevated with the Chassidus Sherebes with all flavors, colors, and stripes of Kalani could end in such tragedy. And he explains as follows: We know Shemitah is predicated on emunah, belief in Hashem. A Jew believes that everything is in the hands of Hashem. They believe in, we believe in the the promise Hashem makes. We know Shemitah is something that you absolutely have to believe in Hashem. Rashi even comments, right? That here the, the, the ground, the agriculture is going to have to produce enough food for the second half of the sixth year, for the seventh year, and for most of the eighth year. It's not something that under normal circumstances we could have possibly expect and not something that a human being could possibly promise you would certainly lean to famine. It's only if you believe in our Rebona Shalom, a boreolim, a creator of the world, who has Shlita, who has divine intervention and impact and influence in the day-to-day operations of the world, can you trust that being to say, you know what, you're going to let the land, the land lay fallow, and guess what, you're still going to be taken care of, there's not going to be a famine, you're going to have what to eat. Shmita and the basis, the Nakuda Shemitah is... And you start to realize that it's Hakarish Baruch Hu who runs the world, it's HaKadosh Baruch Hu who ensures your success in Parnassah, and it's not you. It's not Kochiv And so, therefore, says the Slanom Lachain, therefore, now it's so Meduyuk in the words, Rabbi Brand. Listen to this Lachem Higdima Torah. And that's why the Torah precedes as Mamre Vishav Zaharens La Lahashem. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted the Torah to set the tone as to how to understand how our income and our livelihood works. You see, if the Torah would have started with the six years of work or by extension, if the Torah would have started with the six days of work, I would have thought it's all about me. All the work I put in, that's going to determine how successful I'm going to be. The amount of effort I exert, commensurate to that effort, I'm going to be rewarded accordingly. Says the the rabbi, that's not what Hakadosh Baruch Hu wanted you to understand based on this narrative. Instead, the Torah wanted to set the tone from the outset, and He wanted us to know before we get to the six years of work that you're going to try to earn a Parnassah, Understand, it's all predicated on vishavsa haaret shabbos Lashem. It's all up to what Hakadosh Baruch Hu is going to determine. La You have to understand that it's all predicated. It's based on our belief in Hashem. Shiyude yada shakados baruchu maneges haolam It's not me who runs the world. It's the Reboner haolam who runs the world. And only after we accept and acknowledge, we recognize that it's all based on how Hakadosh Baruch Hu runs the world. Then viachar kach nem ruprate amitzos sheishonem tizra sadecha once we accept and we integrate and we internalize and we root within ourselves the understanding and the recognition that it's all about what Hashem decides we're going to be successful about, then and only then can we go ahead and put our heshtadlus, our effort in, to going ahead and working the land during those six years. And the same thing is true when it comes to Shabbos, says the Slonomer. We know Shabbos is the basis of our Imunah. How do we know that? Because what do we say in our kiddush? We recognize that there's a borei Olam, that the world didn't just come into an existence on its own, but there was a creator. Therefore, we start off with Shabbos. We have to start off by recognizing that our Hakadosh Baruch created and He leads all of His creations. There's nothing. Yadi, there's nothing that exists without Hakadosh Baruch It's not about us. It's about what He, with a capital H, decides. And then the only once we accept that, once we internalize that, there's a borei olam. So then, sedar, mitzvah, shishis, tavod, then we can work. Then we can put our stadlos in, then we can do what we can as a prerequisite, but not as a condition, but not as something that automatically is going to come, but as a prerequisite to receive that which our Qurish Baruch Hu decides. Ha he is This Emunah, this faith in the faith in the recognizing it's all about our Qurash Baruch. Hu. That says the Slonim Rebbe is why we start off the way we do. You're true. Sequentially, the way the world operates, you're right. We're going to have our six years that we're going to work the land, and then we're going to let the land lay fallow for the seventh year. You're right. We're going to have six days that we're going to work during the week, and on the seventh, we're going to keep Shabbos. And while that's true sequentially, that's not what the Torah wanted us to gain, wanted us to appreciate, wanted us to reflect on when reading this introduction to Shemitah. Instead, HaKadosh Baruch Huayi and the Torah wanted us to set the tone. Wanted us to realize there's no such thing as there's nothing about what we do and what we contribute and we, 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 and therefore what's going to result, but rather, but rather, know full well before you start to work that land, go to graduate school, put all of your effort and energies into your parnasa. know full well. There's this Shabbat, you're going to go to work on Sunday, you're going to go to work on Monday, that's true, but don't forget, before you go to work, it all comes from the Ribbon HaShelolam, HaKadosh Baruch is the one who's steering the ship, HaKadosh Baruch is the pilot of the plane, and he's going to determine where we land and how we make sure to land safely. I thought this was a powerful insight, not only in terms of how we deal with and how we understand. ...earning our Parnassah... ...not falling into the trap of... ...Kochiv Yotzim Yad Yassuli azeh ...but I thought this L'Anim Rebbe puts into context... ...and provides us perspective... ...of how to grapple... ...with these very tough... ...Hashkafic... Uh, ...challenges... ...particularly over these last few days... ...trying to understand the why... Understanding that at the end of the day, Vishov Saharat Shabbas Lah Baruch is the one who runs the world. Hakarish Baruch is the one who makes the certain decisions. Hakar is the one who choreographs and calculates each specific independent episode and how it's going to go ahead and impact future episodes. And it's something that we can't possibly we can't possibly grapple and can't possibly comprehend with. I share with my students today the famous statement. That we say on Tishavah in the Kinos, and that we say on on uh, Yom Kippur, the, right after the Avoda, when we talk about the Astara Haruge Malchus, when they see one of the Astara Haruge Malchus, I believe it was Rabbi Akiva, being killed in such a heinous, such a terrible way, and the Malach Asharis, the angels, turn to the Rebbona and they say Rebbona Zu Torah, Vezut Chora. This is what Torah is for. This is the reward that you're going to get for Torah, for learning Torah, for committing yourself to Torah, for being loyal to Torah. This is the reward. How could this be fair? To which HaKadosh Baruch Hu responds, you better be quiet, otherwise I'm going to change the world to Tov I'm going to flip the world on its head. Because no way is the world could, could possibly exist if you're going to try to attempt to understand how HaKadosh Baruch Hu and why HaKadosh Baruch Hu does what he does. And if the Malachi HaSharis who certainly have a clearer, more broader perspective of the world than even we do, still grapple with the why, still grapple, still struggle with how could this possibly be? And yet HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, even you Malachim, you can't possibly understand the Vishav Saharis Shabas Lashem, Kavachomer Ben Kavachomer. We mortal human beings can't possibly understand. We don't know why HaKadosh Baruch Hu does what he does. But at the end of the day, if we tap into, if we fill ourselves with a reservoir of emuna, if we understand that we speak about HaKadosh Baruch and that's mechazik that strengthens our Emunah, if we notice the Hodul Hashem Kitov during the good times, so that we can fill ourselves with Emunah day in, day out, then unfortunately when we have to confront these unthinkable tragedies, we can tap into that reservoir of emuna and be able to walk on, to move on. To be able to appreciate and say, I don't know why, but I trust in the Rebona Shalom. I know that he's taking care of us and I'm confident. It's a powerful yet difficult message to swallow. But nonetheless, I think it's the only way that we could possibly be able to internalize, to filter through and quite frankly survive these terrible tragedies and still make sure that we have ourselves upright, and not lying down, curling up, and throwing in the towel. And so, Amir HaShem, we derive, we glean from, we take chizuk, from the parsha of bahar, v'shovet Shav haaretz, Shabbos L'Hashem, we're going to put the work in, we're going to put the effort in, we're going to put the ishtadlus in, but know that before we do anything, we have to remind ourselves, v'shovet sa haaretz, Shabbos it all begins with, with that with HaKadosh Baruch, who decides is going to be in our best interest. And Amir HaShem, if we can be mechazeg ourselves if we can strengthen ourselves, if we can internalize this message that Amir Tashem will know no more suffering, will have a stronger, more powerful amunah, it will reverberate not only down here, but in the Bezdin Shemayla and up in Shamayim, and Amir Tashem will ultimately, B'Zochah will merit to see the, the ultimate prize, which of course is the BS called Tzedek, to be able to reunite with all those who unfortunately died in this terrible tragedy and all previous tragedies. And Be'ezer Sashem Yisbach will dance together, not in Meiron, but on harabais in the of B'Merev Yameinu Amen.